You're listening to The Simply Flawsome Show, a podcast designed for you to listen, learn, and leverage. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. Simply Flawsome podcast, I bring you interviews from inspiring individuals all over the world. These people are entrepreneurs, sports personalities, or anyone who I feel can bring value to you, my audience. My book, Use It or Lose It, 31 Days to Mind Mastery, inspired me to start this podcast. Why? Because I believe our mental health should be our number one priority. And when we are equipped with the right tools and strategies, we can truly move forward in life. You are already smart, and with this podcast, my aim is to help you become smarter. So are you ready to listen, learn, and leverage? In today's episode, I interview the passionpreneur, author, and keynote speaker, Mustafa Hamwi. The intention of today's episode is to take you step-by-step through the process of writing and publishing your first book. It is said that we all have a book in us and a story to tell. And if you feel you would like to put pen to paper but don't know where to start, then this is the podcast for you. My guest is the author of three books and he has helped tens of individuals like yourself publish their own books from start to finish. So without further ado, Please welcome Mustafa Hamwi to the show. Hi Zoe, what an intro. I mean, I should, I should, you should come to my events and introduce me. Phenomenal introduction. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for coming on today. Thank Mustafa. you for having me. So Mustafa, before we get started, would you give our listeners a brief background on who you are and how the Passionpreneur journey started for you? Okay, I'll, tr- I'll try to summarize a lifetime in a few minutes. So I've been, in, I've been in Dubai since 2000 and my career started in PR. I used to handle PR for Nokia uh, in the Middle East when there was a Nokia. And uh, through that I got into opening up my own event agency. We used to do a lot of successful conferences and business events daytime and a lot of nice nightlife and, and party events evenings. This lifestyle eventually got into me and I kind of started feeling empty on the inside. I, I lost the passion if I ever had it for it. I'm, I lost that drive. So long story short, I just bought a one-way ticket to India in 2012. And on that journey, I went through a lot of transformation, met a Swami who's been in caves for 13 years. Um, and went through a a situation personally that made me ask myself, what am I doing with my life? Am I doing something meaningful? Am I doing something that that is leaving a positive impact on the planet? What what did you go through? I I had a medical situation I discovered by coincidence and that was a a shock. I healed from it luckily. I was in India. I went through natural healing methodologies, although the medical community said it's not really curable by normal medical terms, but I managed to heal and what was more important than the medical healing was the fact that I had to reflect on if this was it for me if today was the last day of my life would I have been proud about my life did I leave any positive impact on the planet did I do what I was truly passionate about and I realized that no I was just doing things that on the outside made everybody be impressed with me but they were not truly meaningful Mm -hmm. to me or did not leave any positive impact on the planet Mm -hmm. 
and uh, came back in 2013, uh, started doing talks on the side, and the first talk was called Cavalli to Manali, the journey of my transformation from the Cavalli lifestyle that I was living and my partners that used to own the Cavalli club and going into Manali in India where I met my Swami. So a few months after the talk, uh, Swami, the guru, they call him a Swami or a guru, uh, they have different names for them. So it's, it's a basically the, the one of those movie character Indian teachers with a long beard, they call him a Swami. And um, a few months later after the talk, I was sitting in Media One Hotel and a random person passing by suddenly stops and he goes, hey, you're that speaker guy. I said, yeah. He goes, you did your talk about India. I said, yeah. He goes, you changed my life. Wow. And I was, well, that was my reaction, actually. I was like, wow. And that started happening more frequently. And it was that kind of a moment where I was like, started getting spotted. this is, this is, but more than the spotted element, it was that, that sudden feeling that I'll never forget that specific moment with that guy and I even like saw that guy later in Dubai we stayed in touch he started coming to my events but I can never get over the feeling of somebody saying you changed my life nothing beats that I mean I've I've been in business I've been involved in multi-million dollar businesses I pitch businesses I love to close deals and I love to win but nothing ever comes close to when I get those and I like to get them frequently and I do what it takes to get them frequently and this is why I'm in this business. This is why I'm in the business of speaking, coaching, books and all of that. So at the beginning of the journey, yes, I was driven by a lot of passion, but it was hard breaking through the market. There was just a lot of noise. Every other person is a speaker. Everybody's trying to be the next uh, big speaker and I would just could not stand out through the noise. and. Suddenly, I, I started a show called Passion Sunday, similar to what you're doing now. So it was every Sunday, I'd release an episode. I was speaking on stage with Marshall Goldsmith, Brian Tracy, Von Strompenars, all, uh, Tony Buzan, all these big guys. Wow, Tony Buzan. Tony Buzan actually gave me my nickname, Mr. Passion. Really? So after one of the interviews, he gets on stage and somebody says, Passion, he goes, oh, I know who you have to talk to. And he couldn't remember my name. That's Tony the funny thing. Tony Buzan is one of my heroes. Amazing. I have to say, so Tony Buzan was the first kind of self-development in any many ways book that I came across it was use your head yes and then use your okay. memory I'll, we'll, we'll send and him I, a whatsapp now <laughs> I remember oh, I would love to meet him yeah done Oh my then? God, I would love to do an interview with yeah, him. So, Honestly, it brings tears to my eyes. So, so he's phenomenal. So, so he, he was on stage and somebody says passion. And he goes, uh, passion, I know who you have to talk to. And where is he? And he couldn't remember my name. So he goes, where is he? Where is he? The passion guy. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and the passion guy picks up Mr. Passion, passion guy. That, that gives me my first kind of branding. A few interviews later, I interview Brian Tracy. And I say to him, can we all, you know, how about we co-author a book? Because I know he does a lot of co-authoring. He works with other authors. He says, yeah, fine, connects me with his publisher. And we co-author a book together. And that was the best business card I've ever had. Because after that, I was no longer another speaker when I'm presenting or pitching. So I go to a client and they go, oh, the next speaker offered 20, 30% less than you. Well, I'm not going to make a living if every time I compete with the next cheaper person. So interesting that you say that because when I was thinking of what questions to ask you, one of my questions was, um, what do you say? I think it's James Altrusha. He, you know, James Altrusha, I, I don't know if I'm saying his name properly, but he says books are the new business card. I launched the, the show by 2017, I wrote the book. 2018, I was invited to speak at the Global Speakers Summit, two global speakers about building their personal brand globally. And this is what a book did for me. The book was the first set of things that made my brand stand out. Mm -hmm. 
Eventually I had a bad experience with the publisher because I learned a lot of the fine print that they never tell you about. And a lot of people also started reaching out to me and saying, how did you do that? I said, well, I can help you. They're like, please help me with your book, with the book. I want to do my book. And this is how I ended up getting into the book business. Into publishing. Yeah, we got in, we, we opened the publishing company. So we have three representation offices. We have Melbourne, Dubai, and Mumbai. Uh, and we, we run, you know, clients across the globe, mainly outside the US. So we focus on Europe, uh, Asia, Middle East, and Australia, obviously. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and, and we have a niche, we work mainly with entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. uh, corporate executives mm -hmm. and professional experts like, uh, uh, like lawyers, engineers, anybody who's got, who, who their name is crucial to their business. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how would, to the listeners listening to this, they've obviously tuned in because they have, um, they have an idea for a book or maybe they'd like to start writing one or, you know, they, they would like to publish a book. Where, where would somebody start? Where would somebody start? Let's just say, you know, Beautiful. what would you say was the starting point? Is, is actually answering why should you write a book in the first place? I was, it's because, look, I, all of this started for me part of my passion. So the first thing I ask a person, why do you want to start writing a book even? Because yes, everybody's got a book in them. And yes, it is a great business card. And you have to make sure you're truly passionate about the topic that you're going to talk about. If you're just going to write a book because somebody saw us on an interview and thought, oh, I want to write a book, these are not the kind of people that I like to work with. I like to work with people that have genuine passion for what they're doing. They love what they're doing because only then you can add value. When you're truly passionate about, you know, you're passionate about the whole flossom concept about mental agility. So I know you're going to put the effort into it. And I know when you're writing a book, you're going to add value. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Be truly passionate about the topic. And then understand that when you write a book, the money is not in the book sales. Okay. The money is in the leverage and exposure that the book is going to get you. Mm -hmm. And I say the number one reason for writing a book is... Author equals authority. When you write an author a book, you become an authority on the topic. You know the, the old saying, anytime when we were fresh grads going to business, everybody tells you, you got to do it by the book. That's the point. If the book hasn't been written in your industry, you go write it, you become the writer of the book. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. You can use the book in many ways. You can use it to accelerate your personal brand, establish your authority, stand out against competition. So many, any industry today, everybody, if you're going to succeed, tomorrow 10 people are going to copy you. After tomorrow, 100 people are going to copy you. So the question is, how do you stand out? And books have a barrier to entry. Digital media, social, all of this, still fairly easy with anybody with an iPhone. That's the beauty of it. But the downside is also anybody with an iPhone can start talking to people. But a book gives you a level of authority that you only get with books. People start looking at you as a thought leader. They don't just look at you as an influencer. They look at that person has a thought level of leadership. They've distilled knowledge and they've put it into a book. Uh, you can use it to educate your clients on your services. So basically, if you're thinking, you know, I have a service that people don't understand what I do exactly, mental agility, the steps, all of that, rather than having to explain it for so long, you just pass a book to the client and that does the education process for you. Mm -hmm. So you can write the book for many ways. Of course, all of those eventually lead to you having a legacy and leaving your mark on the planet. So you see, the, I like to cater to both energies. I like to cater to the what's in it for me and what's in it for the world. When I can tick both boxes, that's the first step in the journey of becoming a published author. I was reading um, an article on the internet today and it, and it was saying that you need, you need 
writing a book, it should be something that you want your great-grandchildren to read. Yeah. Um, very interesting, very interesting. And, and I say yes and no, though, to that, in, in my humble opinion, because we were having a chat earlier before we start filming, and you know the dynamics of the market are changing. If you're talking, remember, I mean, grandchildren are, I don't know if they're even millennials, what are they going to be, the grandchildren? And, and they're going to have a totally different dynamic to us. And some of the books that you might write, because remember, we talk about non-fiction books. Non-fiction books are books that are uh, personal development, personal growth, spiritual, uh, inspiring memoirs, uh, business books that teach you steps. And I think that's the focus on today's discussion. It's more yeah. non-fiction rather than fiction. Yeah, because that's a different ball game. The way it's written, the way it is, and you know, beautiful. I'm not, I don't like reading those books. A lot of people love them, and those are typically the books that a lot of them end up into movies. But I think there's enough happening in the world for nonfiction. We don't need to come up with stories. There's enough drama happening in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so someone they've got the night their idea. Mm -hmm. How does an individual then put that onto paper? Beautiful. How would they structure the book? So before getting into structuring the book. I always say begin with the end in mind. So the first step of beginning in the end in mind is understanding your why. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next question is what is it that I want to get in the book and what's the topic of the book? And the topic of the book should be an intersection of three things. So if you'd imagine three circles, one circle, things that you truly love. Mm -hmm. Okay. These are the things that you really, really, really love. Okay. And enjoy. The second circle is things that you're really good at. And I say good at, you want to be, you know, some of the best in your arena. Now, that does not mean you don't write a book if you don't think you're top 1% in the world in your arena. What I mean is you need to be the best within your surroundings because everybody's book is going to serve a certain audience. You don't want to compete with the best of the best of the best of the best. You want to compete with the best of the best around you, in your neighborhood, let's call it. So if I'm in real estate, I want to know that I'm better than the average real estate broker. If I'm a coach, I want to know that I'm better than the average coach. If I'm, um, in, any, if I'm in food, I want to know I'm better than and the next chef. So we want people that are truly passionate about what they do. They have value to add. They're not going to regurgitate some general knowledge that anybody can find on the internet today. And the third circle is what has market. And this is also important because people get elated by the fact I love it so much. I'm very good at it. I'm going to write a book about it. But here's the thing, if you don't believe it adds value to people, then the market is not going to exist. And if the market is not going to exist, you're not going to end up monetizing it. So if you miss that element, you can always write a story about your life and inspiration, but you got to understand who is it serving. Mm -hmm. So once you find the intersection of what you truly love, what you're really good at, and what adds value to the market and has demand, that intersection becomes the book topic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Within that book topic, I like to look at a hyper niche also. So today, you know, recently I started saying to my authors, try to hyper niche because you're going to get copied very quickly. So a difference between being generalist and a niche and a hyper niche. Being generalist is saying I'm in marketing. Being niche is saying I'm in social media. Being hyper niche is writing a book about social media tactics for real estate agencies. Now that's a book that's going to stand out because you know by the time somebody even thinks about that, you've already accumulated the knowledge needed and it makes you stand out. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you do 
the first is the big Y, you find the intersection point, you go into a hyper niche segment in that, and then you develop a, you answer, we have a concept sheet, we, we give away, happy to give out to your listeners, mm -hmm. and that concept sheet asks you to, for a few things. One of them, who's the target listener or audience or readership of your book? Who's gonna actually read this book? You wanna answer what's so marketable about it? Why should somebody pick up that book against another book? So when you think, you know what, I have experience in handling three children when I'm divorced. You see, then you know you're speaking to women that match that profile. If, or if you're speaking to a typical CEO, the language that you're going to write the book for each of them is totally different. That's one thing I was going to ask you about language. So what kind of tense? Should people be writing a book in? Beautiful question. Tense, uh, beautiful question. And I'm, I, you know, I'm writing. Yeah, of course. A book and I'm struggling with that as I'm going through yeah. it. And I haven't obviously given it to an editor. So, yet, so here's the so. thing you write it with the tense that your audience would want to listen to. See, this is, this is the difference between what we do because we're, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm helping passionpreneurs and entrepreneurs of passion and purpose to change the world through what they say. Mm. Typical editorial process and book writing process was all about the language that you're using. I don't care about that. That's why I, I didn't get even to the writing process. So imagine all of this is still I'm building and stacking up the system of why and how you're going to write a book before we get to it. So. All of that, you write it in the voice that Zoe would speak on the Flossom Show because the person who's going to pick up Zoe's book is somebody who wants to listen to Zoe speak in the way that Zoe speaks. Mm -hmm. So this is the tense we like. And for you to get that, when you're answering the sheet, you would answer who's the target audience. You would answer, uh, you put a title and a subtitle and I call it a holding title mm -hmm. okay, or a working title. Why do I say that? Energetically, if you don't have a, a holding title for the book or a working title for the book, your thoughts don't find a place to be filed in. So they keep being scattered. The minute you make up a name in your mind for the book, that becomes the project name and the subtitle, which is a descriptor of what the book is about. I like fairly vague titles that make you want to read the subtitle. So don't, don't give everything out in the title. Don't make it a long title. Make it short and catchy. And it's called a working title for a reason, because you will change it. 90% of the time, the titles change from when we began the writing till the end of the writing. But when you have that, you get excited about it. You start talking to people, say, Oh, I'm writing this book and I'm doing that. You can change it later. It's not tattooed for the rest of your life. No. So once we finish all of those, then we move to the step of actually producing the content. But you see, when you build all of that, the content has a reason and has a purpose to serve. It's not just a dump of thoughts. And this is one big mistake. A lot of people who are writing books. Beautiful. I know someone who wrote a bestseller in four weeks. Uh, very possible. We actually have a have a proprietary process that we work with. We we say paper napkin to paperback in six months. Mm -hmm. That includes the strategy, the conceptualization, the content production, and the editing, and the publishing, and putting it on global distribution, and a full marketing launch for a week in six months. We've done it in even Can four. I just give step-by-step -step guide can you go through <laughs> done so let's let's break it down mm -hmm. so what you want to do is there are two stages there's actually content producing stage mm -hmm. and there's a stage of getting the content out mm -hmm. okay the first part of it is producing the content in producing the content the first step was actually what we just discussed which is answering the why the niche the all of the strategy just going back to producing the content um, do you believe that you have to come from a place of pain to be able to write a book, that you have to delve into Very, very, very interesting question. So I'll answer you in an interesting way because it's an interesting question. Do you know where the word passion comes from? 
Pain, passion comes from passio in Latin, and passio means to suffer and endure. So people think, you know, all these elated online marketers tell people, oh, when you're doing your passion, you become, everything becomes effortless, and that's not the reality. Reality is if you want to develop muscle, you've got to go to the gym and you've got to work hard. When you really want to get successful, you've got to work hard. That's not to say that you need to torture yourself, but there has to be a price to be paid along the way of journey of growth and learning. But when you love it, it's not as painful. It becomes, it becomes the sweet pain of being in the gym. It becomes the growth that you want to go through. So I don't know if I would want to say that I necessarily have to come from pain. If you're writing a life transformational book, uh, uh, an inspirational memoirs, things that deal with pain in life, divorce, uh, death, uh, transformation, loss of job, they, you do require to come from a place of experiencing it first. Uh, pains, back pains and things like this. But if somebody's writing a book about, uh, you know, uh, we helped a major celebrity over here write a book about uh, real estate. It's the leading book on real estate here. And this book does not need pain. This book needs solid, successful tips on how to go through the whole industry. And this book is the Bible on it. So that does not need to necessarily come from that pain element. Yes, in some of them there needs to be pain. And I'm sure that person had to go through a lot of pain to learn what they've put in the book. So the pain is part of the process, but not necessarily a core part in every element of it. Mm-hmm. So that's with it, with, from, from the element of the why and all of that. So now the question, which is the hardest part, and I'm gonna give everybody a simple solution to produce content, because nonfiction and business books, which is what we're doing, have a simple, specific structure. And if one thing about me, I'm a bit OCD on organizing. And once you figure out a way to organize things, it becomes easy. The problem is the publishing industry used to make things look more complicated so they can keep control of it. We broke it down into a very simple process. Once you've answered those questions, What you will do is you're going to say, okay, I am writing a book about, um, let's say, how to write a book. Okay, so if my book is about how to write a book, what are the 10 steps that one should follow? Those naturally would represent the 10 chapters. Mm-hmm. Break it down and keep it simple. 10 to 12 chapters, don't write any more. Don't try to go beyond a certain size. 10 to 12 chapters, okay, 10 to 12 steps. Now take the first step and map it out as follows. The why, the what, golden nuggets. So why should somebody listen to you in this chapter? So if you're saying, I'm gonna talk about step one, write a book. The question is, why should somebody listen to me? Because a book is gonna help you in A, B, C, D, and so. Okay, so this is the why. What's the golden nugget? The golden nugget would be, write a book, because it's a business card. Author equals authority. Spread your messages. So you give people small bite-sized takeaways, add some action steps to that specific chapter. So pretty much now you've got the whole structure of the chapter in place, Mm -hmm. okay? So chapter two, let's say, forget about books, let's say it's about real estate. So if the book is about real estate, chapter two would be inspect the property. So the question is why should you inspect the property? Because you list three, four bullet points. How do you inspect a property? You put the steps of how to inspect a property. You give golden nuggets 
So you say, okay, well, the takeaway is just simple bite size. You can put it at the beginning of the chapter and the end of the chapter. And you say an inspirational quote, for example, about it. So this is very simple mind mapping process, by the way, if you think about it. Because what you're doing is you're saying, this is the book. These are the chapters. This is chapter one. So you can do it visually as a mind map or you can do it just as bullet points. Once you mind map the book, that is 80% of the work done. Because all you have to do is find a way to fill in the blanks under each of those bullet points and you're done. Mm -hmm. This whole process, you can do it in two ways. You can do it in a way where you can actually sit and write that content if you like writing, or you can record it and get it transcribed. Mm -hmm. And this is the simplest way to do it. And in that context, yes, some people produce books very quickly. But they can only produce it very quickly when they outline. That's in the publishing industry, it's called outline. We call it blueprinting the book. So we say we're going to help you create a blueprint for the book using the methodology that I've just highlighted. So people can do it by themselves. I mean, they can come to us because we handhold them through the process. But it's as simple as mind map the whole book. Mm -hmm. It's called an outline or a blueprint of the book. How many words? Beautiful question. So the old school used to look for bigger books because people thought, oh, this makes me look like a big authority. The reality is people don't like to read that much anymore. People want something that's straight to the point, focused and sharp. And on average is 150 to 200 pages of a book pages, not A4 pages, not computer pages. So for you to measure that on a Word document, you go to the bottom left and it has a word count. That should be 30 to 40,000 words. 30 to 40,000 words will give you a 150 to 200 page book, depending on the configuration and depending on how many charts and graphs. You can go as low as 20,000 word book if you have a lot of graphs and charts and it's one of those inspirational books with just lots of quotes and very simple and light. Neither of them is better. We've had housewives that wrote about uh, just tips about inspiration and happiness and life and it was a 20,000 word book and it was all nicely decorated quotes and inspirations and affirmations. So 20,000 if you have a lot of you want to make it light book, smaller book type, light reading, 150 to 200 page, 30 to 40,000 words if you want to get authority on the topic that you're providing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I've written my content. I haven't showed it to anybody. I mean, what's the next process? So the next you've got your content and you've written your book. What you, you need to do you've your book, but you haven't shown it to anyone. There's lots of spelling mistakes, blah blah. blah. Beautiful. Well, this is where the, the editing process comes in. So what happens is the, the author sends us and remember you see if you notice I, I use the word author, not writer. Mm -hmm. You see that's a big distinction. Almost everybody can be an author as long as they have knowledge on their topic. Not everybody is a writer. I'm not a writer. I'm an author, I author books, but I'm not about writing. I don't sit and write, I'm not Paolo Coelho. I don't write fiction, I don't like write stories, and I don't have the linguistic abilities to write eloquently. But I know my topic better than anybody else. And this is the kind of people we like to work with, people who know their topic. So I don't care if you have a lot of spelling and grammar mistakes. What I care about is, are you giving the valid steps for somebody to, get from, to go from point A to point B and get the success? Eloquent or not is irrelevant because somebody who wants to lose 10 kilos in the next month doesn't care if you're, if you're spelling mistakes. What they care is does the methodology work. So what people should focus on is am I offering genuine practical uh, value that does get results? Mm 
Then what they do, that's our job. They send us the material and then we will send it to editors. And the editors, there are multi multiple layers of editing without getting too technical, not to confuse people. Editors can go through one round and second round and third round to restructure their grammar, to restructure the language, to polish it up, to dot the I's and cross the T's. This is the job of an editor, not the job of the author. So don't worry too much about it. Focus on getting valuable content. This is what matters. Would you recommend a few editors looking over the book? Very, very good point. In principle, we do get different eyes looking at the book because in editing, uh, you're getting me technical here, but there's things that are called structural editing and there are things or developmental editing and things that are called copy editing and then there's line editing and there's proofreading. The kind of a person that does the developmental editing is usually not a linguist. They are somebody who's a bit of a subject matter expert that looks at the flow of the words and do you need to develop the language so it flows smoothly. Okay, the line editing and copy editing are more of grammatical linguists that look at the language and know you should use the passive tense or active tense or change the tense here because it doesn't make sense. So these are the kind of people that look at that. And then a proofreader is a person that reviews the book right at the end of the process after we even laid it out as a book to catch mistakes. So you see, we do have several eyes that look at it. Three different processes. So you, you have the editor, at the onset, that would maybe change paragraphs around or say this should go here, yeah. take this bit out. This is but that's not necessarily for everybody if you follow our methodology. So if you follow the, the, uh, the structured approach of mind mapping and blueprinting the book, okay, you will naturally find that your sentences are fairly falling in the right place. So you will probably, we've rarely had to do developmental editing for anybody. The only times we probably needed developmental editing was either the person had really, really bad English. Okay. And that's also very rare because even as a non-native English speakers, myself and some of our authors, because they're professionals, their language is professional. So the way they structure sentences is fairly clean and neat. So it does just need copy editing. It doesn't need restructuring. So if somebody has really bad, does not speak the language very well, or is not a professional business person, so somebody that doesn't work, um, they haven't been educated well, maybe it'll need developmental editing. That being said, when we follow the methodology that we use for via recording with a structure that we create, uh, they will come across speaking the way they speak which is more important for the audience. So my last recent book, which is, you know, will be out by the time this interview is out, I sent it to my niece just to have a look at it. And she's actually a teenager, but because my book is called Live Passionately, and it, it was targeting people who's from 18 onwards who want to live a passionate life. And I said just, and she loves reading. Uh, she'd finished like Harry Potter in an evening. I'm like, this is crazy. And she went through my book and she called me. She says, I could hear you in the room with me when I'm reading the book. Because it sounds like me and it speaks like Mustafa. You know how we were saying something earlier and I told you better say this, you say this is not my language. Zoe speaks like Zoe, Mustafa speaks like Mustafa. You give it to a ghostwriter, which is not what we do at all, and I don't recommend anybody go through ghostwriting, it will sound like the ghostwriter, it will not sound like you. So this is why I say to people not to worry too much about the language. This is the wrong thing to worry about. In the kind of books that are changing people's lives and transforming people's lives, focus on adding value and let the language be somebody else's job. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be a big deal mm -hmm. if you follow the structure. If you go about by dumping ideas without following the structure we gave, you will probably end up needing somebody who will reverse engineer and take all your words and try to fit them back in a place and do developmental editing and structural editing. Mm -hmm. So, 
The book's written, it's been edited. Content is clean and ready to go. What next? What next now we get to the publishing process. So now the heavy load is off the author's uh, side and is on our side. So what we do is we do two things in parallel. We send a menu and say select the design of the interior of the book. What font do you like? You want something authoritative, serious, funky, cool, curvy, straight lines. So we give them options on how we can lay out the interior of the book. And equally we send them to a studio to get a nice shot done. Uh, and this is another time where I personally invest time in having a book cover strategy session. Because as important as the whole book strategy session for me is the cover. That's 80% of the sell. This is your business card. This is what you're going to leave on the desk. People underestimate. I see so many people putting amazing content and they go cheap on the book cover design. We don't do that. We give, you know, in excess of 10 to 20 different options and variations to our authors to choose from after having a strategy session because we want that book when it sits on the table, people look at it and go, oh, wow. Okay, so, so that's very important to get a book cover that is well done. So go to a proper photo shoot and even if you don't want, I highly recommend people to have their picture on the front. But if some people feel it's not comfortable for them, they don't like their face to be there, make sure it's on the back, at least with your bio. I'm actually toying with that because I actually prefer books with a picture on the back. Um, there is no right or wrong. There is no right or wrong. Yeah, this I, is it's a I, personal preference. I may end up having it on the front. I really don't know. I haven't decided. I've got options for both ways. But I do like it personally. I do like it when it's on the back. Sometimes I think it can look a bit cheesy when it's on the front. It, it is. And that's what I'm saying. It's a personal preference. There's no right or wrong in that because you see a lot of people on the covers and the covers look amazing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's about your personal comfort. You know, you, you prefer, some people prefer to wear a bow tie. Some people prefer uh, to wear a tie. Some people don't prefer ties, open shirt, closed shirt, black, red, white, skirt, pants. This is not the argument. The argument is you need your picture somewhere on the book. So on the front, we recommend the, the picture, but if you don't want the picture, then get something that is visually enticing and sharp and clean and well-developed. Because it's like, I don't know, it's like buying the most expensive clothes and then, and then accessorizing it with fake accessories. Mm. It doesn't work. You need to make sure it's actually the covers a lot, a lot of times mm. as important, if not more than what's inside. Because people say, don't judge a book by its cover. Unfortunately, people do judge a book by its cover. And if they don't like the cover in today's crowded world, they're not going to buy the book and they're not going to give you authority out of the book. They're going to think this person is cheap. So you want to make sure the cover is well. On the back, we recommend three things. If you haven't had the picture on the front, you do have your picture. You can have it small and you have a short bio and you have a short summary about the book. So kind of you pitch the book and you in one go on the back because that's what people, this is, this is going to do 80% of the sell. Mm -hmm. You go to a meeting, you put your book on the table, title, subtitle, cover, back, who's that person, what's the book about, boom, you're sold. That's going to seal the deal for what you. What about testimonials? Beautiful question. There are two ways to go about testimonials on the book. Some people who are, who do have really heavyweight testimonials, they do end up putting them on the back of the cover. Other, that, other than that, I personally recommend the testimonials to be on the first few pages because anyway people flip through the first few pages. But, but 
Should we definitely have testimonials yes. in a book? Yes, in a book, is a, I, I think it's a must. You should not not have testimonials because you're not doing yourself a favor. Today is very crowded, everybody's gonna write a book. You see, everything I say is not alone, it's about thinking about everything. You're hyper-niching, you're doing it in your passion, you're making sure the structure is clean, you're making sure the messages are right, you're making sure the cover, the back cover, and the testimonials are there. These are all contributing factors to success. The question is, if you did not have testimonials, why not? If you're claiming to be an authority on your field, couldn't you get at least five people who would genuinely say, thank you, this person has helped me in my journey? You're writing about real estate and you couldn't find five clients that could say this guy helped us get the best deal of our life. You're in finance, you couldn't say this guy is trustworthy. So you gotta think of what's the industry problem and find a testimonial that positions you as somebody who solves that problem. If there's a credibility issue in an industry, then get somebody to say, this is a trustworthy person. If there's a, an issue about people being confused, get somebody, and it has to be genuine, I'm not saying get fake testimonials. Truly go out there, if somebody's, I mean, if somebody is writing a book and they can't even get a couple of people to vouch for them, maybe they wanna spend a little bit more time asking about that. Mm -hmm. And they can do it while they're writing the book. As part of the journey, they can end up going to these people and say, listen, read the book, let me try to help you, but definitely have testimonials. What do you say about having a forward, someone with authority? Beautiful. In a similar field to yourself? Uh, more well known? Yes, if you can. Writing a forward? Yes, if you can, not necessary. Because a lot of times, your book might help people who don't even know who that person is. You see, uh, people give, uh, overestimate the value of a forward by, by somebody famous. It will help you get credibility. However, um, again, I'm going to use it just a, a, an example. Let's say you have a, a single mother, uh, a cancer patient, things that are dramatic. If somebody's going to read the book, they're going to read it because of that person's experience. If somebody talks about their cancer journey, they talk about their divorce journey, they talk about being a, a child that was abandoned, having a forward by a famous person sometimes might not necessarily add value because that person is thinking i don't care who's that famous person i care what's that personal experience and more will make it feel like oh that person is like me they understand my pain a celebrity sometimes alienates people so i'd say really depending on the book if the book is more businessy you want that credibility to give you a, an in uh, with the big guys and the big corporations then get it if not not necessarily that you'd have a forward you can have a forward by a client by the way you can have a forward by a client that would vouch on the fact that oh my god i worked with that person and they changed my life more than a testimonial so like an elongated testimonial mm -hmm. so yes get a forward if it adds value but don't be adamant about it mm -hmm. it's not it's not necessarily the make or break mm -hmm. so far I think I'm going ahead with my live passionately without any forwards because I've had a lot of credibility interviewing the world's best of the best of the best and I like this live passionately to be truly about living passionately not alienating the factor of oh, only these big guys are living passionately this book is for anybody who wants to discover and live their passion so very very good question okay so we've got the contents we, we did the interior design, we did all of that. Remember I said there's something called proofreading, so that book goes to a proofreader who literally goes through, again, everything, double-checking, human error is always going to happen. Because, you know, imagine that person, the, the designers and editors and writers are reading and reading and reading, they're bound to miss. We use a lot of computer stuff, we use a lot of AI softwares and things like this, but still things get missed out. So somebody goes through the book again just to make sure everything is in order. Now it looks like a book, it's no longer a Word document, we put the cover, we put everything on it, we send it to the author, they review it, say, okay, I love it, 
uh, we go and publish it online for them. So we put it on Amazon, Kindle, Barnes and Nobles, Apple Books, and up to another 70, 75 online bookstores. And this is where the game is. Because the bookstore game is, in my opinion, dying. As much as people give it a lot of value, my simple question, when was the last time you or anybody walked into a bookstore? As much as you love reading, you probably walk in, but a lot of people are reading Kindle. I personally consume about 30 to 50 books a year, but I do it via Audible. We consume a lot of content on the internet, so, and the new generation, as you said, if it's, you're talking about children and grandchildren, they're consuming digital content. They're not necessarily hand-holding books. There's still room for books, but those handheld books are more in the fiction category because people want the feel. Somebody who's on the go, wants an inspiration, all of that, uh, mobile content. So we focus on digital publication and publishing and we make sure you're distributed around the world now here's the other important thing about that you know what's the world's third largest search engine first one is Google second one is YouTube third one is Amazon so when you have your book listed Google starts picking you up as an authority and we've had a recent case where one of our authors who did not have uh, any brand presence in the field that she's talking about and in no time after publishing the book, you know how you get a little box on the right that says author? She already has box, that box that says author and she already dominates Google on the first page and you know on the images section where people have images they don't want to be seen, it's all about her and the book, the book, the book, the book, the book, the book. Wow, interesting. And she doesn't even have a website yet. Interesting. Not even a website that, yet. That was going to be one of my questions. Like, I'm reading your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Would, um, would you build your brand first, build your audience, or would you write the book first? Beautiful, beautiful question. So, um, this journey of building a global brand, in my opinion, starts with writing the book. So, we actually have multiple businesses that integrate with this business. So, once we finish this, the next business for us is we have a, a web development company that focuses only on building uh, personality websites. So, we don't do corporates, we do individuals that want to build their profile. And we rarely work with anybody who has not been an author with us. Simply because when you have the book... So it d just doesn't stop there with the book? No. You take them through the whole personal branding yes. after that? But we realized from my own experience, had, if I would... I told you the first thing I did when I got that book, it, it just took me a notch above competition. I always say there's a lot less competition in the extra mile. So I would want to do whatever it takes to make me stand out against competition. You want to know how much competition is? Go to any conference or seminar or networking event in your industry and look around you and you'll understand how many people are, you know, it's like a shark tank. Everybody's trying to get your business. So I want that thing that makes me stand out a little bit so I can have a, a valuable conversation with my leads, valuable conversation with people that I want to add value to. So the book, in my opinion, is the first step. You write a book, okay? The book is going to create the brand for you. You can write a second and a third. Look, first book is not, a, is not it. First book is the beginning. Once you get that, you'll be bitten by, by the book bug and you'd want to write another book and a third book and a fourth book and a fifth book. But just get the first book out. Someone once said that the worst thing you can do is write, hide yourself away for two to three months and write a book and then just, you know, present it to the world. You know, that's funny because I've gone through that experience and it was a disaster. I tried to hire a ghostwriter. I took off 
for like a, a few weeks. I went to Turkey. I was doing paragliding during the day and evening, speaking to the ghostwriter and working on it. By the end of it, the ghostwriter sent me the content. I literally looked at it. I took it. I threw it in the garbage and I lost like 5,000 pounds that I paid as a down payment to that writer. Because I realized that nobody can write. Nobody can say what you feel. These are your feelings. You know, you have to be able to speak from heart. People want to connect with you. So locking yourself away is not necessary. The process that I just told you about, up until you get the book published and we do a, a full one week launch campaign. So we do videos, announcements, press releases, all things. That whole journey is six months. Out of it only is three months is the book pro content production. And that's not saying on an average, sometimes people finish in two months. Mm. So yes, it's very possible somebody can finish in one month if they know what they're doing. Mm. So really three months when we're working with you, you probably need to spend an average of 25 working hours only if you do it with us because we know what we're doing. So we handhold you through the process. Mm. 25 working hours does not require you to disconnect from the world. 25 working hours is pretty much if you have 21 working days in a month, that's an hour a day for a month. So really, no, you do not need to disconnect from the world. If anything, you actually need to stay in flow of what you're doing. You're not going to write a good book by stopping your show and sitting and locking your brain and trying. You will write a better book as you're interviewing people mm -hmm. because every interview adds up to you and you take that and add it in and add it in and add it in. So yes, I agree with you. I, I'm not with the opinion of locking yourself up to write a book. That is old school. And, and who, can, who can afford it? Even when I did it, it was a costly process because for that period I needed to dedicate myself to the book and I realized that even at that time I could not come up with the content that I needed because some content comes in context. Mm -hmm. You're talking to me, you might write something and suddenly I say something that inspires you and you go, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I tell you a story that, that was a challenge for me and you realize this is going to help people overcome the challenge and all of these things. That being said, actually brings us to the next point that you asked me about, which is the hurdles and the mental challenges that people face when they want to write a book. Yeah. So there are typically, I don't know, three, four, five uh, delay tactics that the mind plays on us when we say we want to write a book. I'm sure some people watching this interview are thinking, oh, I want to write a book, I want to write a book. But suddenly they're going to get a few uh, things that stop them from happening those, the, the procrastinate. One of them is, am I good enough? Oh, they're thinking, Mustafa said, you have to be the best, you have to be this, you have to be that. And my point is, really start believing in yourself. If you're truly passionate, and if you've put enough hours into your skill, and you've worked long and hard enough, I mean, yeah, a fresh grad of university writing a book can still write a book, but they're not gonna write it about how to succeed in business. They can write it about how to succeed in school. They can write it about how, how, what the shock they got when they got into the real world. So everybody's got a book in them, just be genuine about it. Yeah? So if you come up with the excuse of, I don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not sure, and you've already been in the business of offering what you're passionate and good at and has market, then that becomes a, a self-doubt. And my only answer to that, look in the mirror and seriously, believe in yourself. Because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody's ever going to believe in you. Mm -hmm. you're, you're waiting for somebody to come and say, oh, I'm waiting for your book. Nobody's going to wait for your book if you're not feeling that you've got that book to offer to the world. Mm -hmm. So that's one procrastination tactic, and that's the antidote. The second one is a lot of times people say, um, I don't have the money to get the book out. I don't, wanna, I don't have the money to publish the book. And the reality is entrepreneurs think investment employees think expense and that's a big distinction yeah because as an investment you will think where can I get the finances 
how can I manage the cash flow and more importantly how do I get return on my investment so you're thinking I am paying for it and how can this generate business for me how can this bring me leads how can this bring me clients how can this change somebody's lives that's called return on investment an employee is going to think, whoa, it's too expensive. I want to pay the least possible and I want to pay small amounts. And, and then you end up paying rent instead of paying mortgage. And that's the difference. You pay rent for five years, you get out of the house, you own nothing. You pay mortgage for five years, you own part of the part. And that's called return on investment thinking versus expenses. My realization, anybody who came to meet with us and turned around later and said, oh, it's too expensive. Funny enough, without saying, but they were accessorized in stuff that were a lot more expensive whether shoes bags or watches or pens that were more expensive than when we were asking them for the but that was a value discussion that was a value they don't see the value of the book so they cannot they look at it as an expense but they see the value of showing up with a watch and a shoes and a bag and a belt and an accessory because that they feel it gives them self-worth so it's a value discussion it's never a price discussion so this is another potential area where people procrastinate. Another one is we don't know what to do about the publishing process or how to write a book even. You know what, the antidote, you've just offered it. We just mapped out the whole process for them. Okay, there's one more step we'll talk about now, which is how do you publish? And there's two routes to publishing. One is you publish by going to a traditional publisher. That's a way where you go to the publisher, knock the doors, submit transcript, 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 transcript. They keep telling you no, no, no. That's the typical story you hear. Now, if you're lucky or unlucky, they tell you yes, they take away the book from you, you sign off the copyrights to them, and if you're lucky, you get 5% of the book sold. Doesn't work. I don't, I don't think this way. I don't want to do that. We give you a book in six months. That's called indie publishing, or some people call it self-publishing, but self-publishing, if you go and try to hustle it yourself. Indie publishing, when you come to someone like us, who is in between a traditional publisher and self-publisher, uh, and we help you write and publish the book. So if you're going to write the process, I've literally given you all the steps of everything that's needed now to write it and publish it, you can go and get it done yourself. And I've had somebody who came to us, had a chat, could not afford the budget, hats off to her, she went and made the book happen at a fraction of the cost she was going to pay us. But she was, she was determined to go and make the book happen. She did what it takes to make it happen. Mm -hmm. She worked 10 times as hard as she was going to come to us. And that work could be work where you get paid for. She didn't have the luxury. She wasn't generating income yet. But she was determined enough. So yes, go write a book. Don't say, I don't know. I've just mapped out the whole process for everybody. It's on the table. I'm not doing it to sell. We say serving is the new selling. I'm serving people here. If somebody wants our service, they can come to us. If they don't want, I'd be happy for somebody to walk out someday and say, you know what? I was inspired when I saw the interview on Zoe's show to write a book. That's the important thing. So that is not an excuse anymore. It's just one more thing I'd like to touch touch on, you mentioned that I think about, I think you said when an individual writes a book they should come from a place of truth. Yeah. I just want to kind of touch on that, you know, um, it's, it's about being authentic and I think if you're not being authentic, if you're not coming from a place of authenticity and truth, then that is going to come out in your book. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. And this is why you see now you understand why we start the journey, not by talking about how to write and what voice and what tone. And I start by asking some questions, why you want to write the book and what are the intersection points between the three circles? Because you might have two intersecting, but not the third one. When you get all three right, you will be congruent. Because here's the thing, I've seen people who think, no, no, I'm, I'm happy writing about something that I love and I'm really good at, even if it does not have a market. You know what happens usually to these people? 
after a while they run out of funds and they never can make their book happen and they can never find a way to generate business and even if they have the money they think oh I've just wasted my money nobody bought the book when you tick all three boxes you are congruent and you are tackling both energies the yin and the yang the inner and the outer you're serving the world and serving yourself mm -hmm. trying to be too um, uh, well, I don't know what they call it they, they have a word for it but it's basically trying to be sacrificing yourself too much that's not good because if you don't get fuel and if you don't get nourished mm -hmm. you're never gonna serve somebody else mm -hmm. the first thing they tell you in an airplane when the masks drop put your mask first then put it for somebody else mm -hmm. if you put it for somebody else you're not serving anybody because you're, you're committing suicide and that's not very smart take care of yourself so you can take care of others so yes you have to be congruent and the best way to be congruent is to come from heart and ask yourself how is this gonna serve the world and serve me at the same time and which brings us now with a lot of these self-doubts that you're talking about people keep saying tomorrow tomorrow I'll write the book I'm still not there yet I don't have something to share see people who've been in business when I'm talking to them at the beginning of a meeting I've been in this business for 15 years I know this I know that when we start talking oh but I'm not sure I have the right content maybe tomorrow I'm like that's an inner conflict because part of you doesn't believe you're good enough part of you doesn't believe that you have the content and when is it ever gonna be good content when somebody else writes that book and you go I thought about it first so I would say don't say tomorrow and don't make it one of the regrets of your life because tomorrow never comes it's always today start the journey I'm not saying finish today start the journey today put pen to paper today send an inquiry to to us or to anybody else who will help you send an inquiry to you write notes start jotting down because momentum you know Newton's law says a body that still remains still until an outside force moves it mm -hmm. so if you don't put a force onto what you're doing to cause that momentum mm -hmm. nothing's ever gonna happen mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. so the book's written it's been published now we have to mark the book. beautiful beautiful well that's an interesting discussion because I always say well do you really market the book or use the, the book to market you I go with a second people are too focused on marketing the book let me give you a, a statistic and these statistics came to me from a New York Times best-selling author a two-time New York Times best-selling author who got 1.3 million dollars upfront on their recent book before they even write it I would believe somebody like that yeah he said to me only about 5% of all books ever written sell more than five to ten thousand copies now if you think about it in traditional publishing terms if you're selling your book for ten dollars you're only getting how much five percent of that mm -hmm. so even if you sell ten thousand copies yeah at ten dollars that's a hundred thousand five percent of that is five thousand mm -hmm. dollars the amount of effort you're gonna have to put to get a book out to make five thousand dollars from book sales is not really worth it mm -hmm. from a business context I mean unless you feel serving the world but I believe today if it does save the world it's gonna sell more okay the magic is not in the book sales the magic is in the brand building it's going to give you and in the business opportunities it's going to give you it's in the doors that it's going to open to you it's in the competition that it's going to eliminate out of your way it's in the fact that it's going to make you get spotted because you walk in somewhere and your book is there just two days ago somebody sends me a message okay and he goes oh my god I just saw your book uh, at my father-in-law's office now his father-in-law is a his excellency level person so you understand this is and this is the point because the book does that for you 
They go, oh, I've seen you before. I've seen that. I've seen, and, and that gives you the authoritative level and it stays on a desk. The book stays on somebody's desk. So write the book, write it full-heartedly and go full passion about changing the world with your book. So, so it's not about, bottom line, it's not about marketing the book. Market yourself, build your brand, mm -hmm. and use the book. So be loud with the book. Be, go on social media all the time. Like, look at me, look at my book. Oh, look at me signing books. Look at me exchanging books. And I, I'm sorry, a guilty as charged. I should have brought books with me, but I ran out. I'm, I'm out of stocks of the last book, and I didn't reprint because my new book is coming out. So I would love to bring you a new one when it comes out. But I would usually bring my book on the show. Anywhere I'm going, I put my book out on the table. And it's any picture, my book is out there. Anytime I give it a gift, I take a picture. Sometimes people see me in a bookstore or, or in a mall and go, oh, I bought your book and I sign it for them and I take pictures. Use the book to build your brand. So it's not about marketing the book. It's about marketing you using the book. And then you'll make a lot of money. I've made so many deals at the back of my books, big deals in different countries where I don't even speak the language. Mm -hmm. I, I go to countries, I don't speak the language, they see the book, and I'm an immediate celebrity on the spot. Everybody wants to talk to me. And here's the thing, because my book is about success and about business, these people talk to me about business, and they're saying, this guy's successful, he knows what he's talking about. And sometimes it's not directly in my arena. I just broker the deal. They say, oh, we need, you know, on a government level, we need, I, I literally, in, in a country now, met two to three ministers, just because I had a book and I got invited at the conference and people saw my books, everybody took me to the minister and introduced me. And then they said, oh, we're thinking of creating an innovation center. I picked up a phone to somebody I interviewed on my show before. I said, let's do this. Da -da -da. Here we are getting multi-million dollar funding on the deal. I'm making my cut and I'm a partner in the deal. I haven't invested the years in that industry, but I invested in my book that opened the door for me. Mm -hmm. So market yourself using the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. No, thank you very much for this amazing show that you're doing. And, and I, I love the angle you talk about, which is, you know, all the struggle, all the hardship that you have to go through to get up. Because mm -hmm. I think it's more the losses than the wins that make us. Because if we keep coming up again and again and again, but that is called true passion. And you are truly passionate about what you're doing. And I'm passionate about helping people build their personal brand through writing and publishing a book. So we would love to offer a free publishing guide to all your viewers. So I'll provide that and you can give them a link to download it. It'll explain everything that we just talked about. It'll just give them the whole process. It's amazing. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you very much. If you guys are interested in that, just let me know. Give us an email. And, Done. And um, I'll comment. And yeah, we can get that over to you. So thank you to everyone who's tuned into this podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please check out the previous episodes. Much love to you all. Thank you so much, Mustafa. Thank you very much, Zoe. Appreciate it. And I say to everybody, you have a message to share. The world is waiting for your book. Thank you.